YouTube and its monetization feature on Shorts, which will be launching on February. They will change from a fund to a revenue share. Let's talk about Microsoft Teams. I mean, they basically announced that they will put some of their features behind an even bigger paywall. Everybody knows that ChatGPT is going around big time at the moment. AI-written mental health counseling for 4,000 people without informing them first. Hi, and welcome to episode 46 of the Tech Review, where we bring you the latest and greatest and sometimes not so great news about the tech world. Join us as we dive into the deepest depths of innovation, social media and the ever-evolving world of technology. So sit back, relax and, re and listen to our favorite articles of the week. Let's geek out and have some fun. On camera 4 we have Chris. On camera 3 this is Vincent. On camera 2 this is Enrique. And on camera 1 this is me, Tarek. Hi! Tech Review is a collaboration of Ideas Engineering, Free Tech Academy and Update.com. You can find all episodes on YouTube to watch or listen to us on all major podcast platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts or anywhere you like. You can listen to us while you work out, drive or maybe even travel through space. So what happened today? We will start with... <laughs> I always press them. I have simply too many buttons. I just want to say Vincent. It's too complicated. So um, I'm today I bring an article about TikTok. Uh, sorry, TikTok about YouTube and its monetization feature on Shorts, which will be launching on January at that uh, sorry February at that date. They will change from a fund to a uh, ad share to our revenue share. 45% creators will gain. How does that work? They will collect all the ad funds and then distribute based on watch time. This means that the fund, uh, not the fund, I'm sorry, that the money you can earn will grow with the platform, which is quite a nice connection. I mean, when we're thinking about TikTok, Tarek, when you and I think about the funds that we could get out of it, it's 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 different. And, and it eliminates, in my opinion, a lot of other negative aspects when we're talking about being a creator, right? Because right now being a creator was only very interesting when um, doing the long videos, the, 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 the landscape videos, if you want to call it that, uh, and not shorts. So this right now is a big step up for YouTube. Interestingly enough is that uh, YouTube will make its money mostly from what they have released now from ads. And I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? Uh, we see that, however, in other parts of the world, uh, when we look at my very good friend Daojin, I mentioned it a lot, the Chinese TikTok copy, uh, there, most of the revenue they make actually is, or a big part of the big chunk of the revenue actually is e-commerce uh, revenue. Um, and that we don't have. And I mean, we can see that actually as a proof with uh, Instagram's new strategy uh, where they are going to remove the shopping button. Uh, shopping functionalities will stay, but they will move create uh, back to the middle of the app, to the center of the app at the bottom. So. Uh, we can see that this is going in the same direction just as YouTube does. And therefore, it's very interesting. Um, TikTok expects uh, creators to get more out of it than from uh, the fund as it's been today until, well, they change it. 
So uh, actually very, very good for creators. Great news. I know Tarek, you're a big fan of it. And I'm very interested in also trying it out myself. Yeah. I got a question because I remember that we talked about that some at one point last year when they first announced that they want to do it and there were some questions with regards to how they will actually do that now in practice maybe you have mentioned it at the beginning then i missed it because i was looking for <laughs> the article from back then at the same time but it's back then the plan was that you open shorts maybe watch six videos see two ads and then the ad revenue will be split among these six videos that you just watched but when it comes to shorts, what counts as a view already was a question. Like, when does it start to count as a view? Um, because they said they don't want to count when it shows up right away. So there was just some technicalities back then that we were wondering about. I don't know. Do they give answers to these questions now? or They do. They do, Tarek. Maybe you scroll down to where you were before. That was the perfect position. Stop. Uh, here we go. Uh, YouTube will payment method could be more sustainable. Cumulative funds from all short ads. They put it into a larger pool. Then YouTube will take its its big chunk, amazing big chunk. Uh, look at that out of it. Uh, and then they will uh, give it back to creators based on a view. So it, this is not answering your question what a view is. But um, in my understanding, this means that they are not counting what ad has been shown during the session that included included your video and you know gets into the trouble of saying okay what was with the first video what's with the last video i mean the first video displayed obviously is is is, is a instant view while the last video maybe not because the person's just jumping out of the ad before it's count it's counting as a view what's in between uh so mm. i think that this is not what they're doing. I think basically what they're doing is the same as on YouTube. So that they're, um, you have to be accredited to the creator and partner program, which actually is a very high bar, in my opinion, because you have 90 days to A, reach a thousand subscribers, which might be easy on YouTube. But then you have to deliver 10 million short views, which is like incredibly hard, in my opinion. Um, but if you do these two things, your, your views will automatically count as something that then will be valued through the payout. So say I accredit for the partner program, I have five views, I will get the money for five views. If you, I have a 5 million views or Henrike, you have 5 million views, you will get the money for 5 million views. I think it is not a question of where the ad will be placed and when and what. And, and to every creator, I think this way they limit it the amount of people they have to pay out to people who actually, to creators who actually contribute to the platform a lot. But there they make the commitment, and this is something we're missing on TikTok, big time. Uh, they're making the commitment to pay out to every single one contributing. And I think that's actually a really smart way to do that. Okay. I'm still not sure when it comes to what if, if they do remixes or duets and stuff doesn't they... matter doesn't matter doesn't matter okay what they do is they say okay we're not paying out to everybody we're not paying out to me who has like a thousand followers because i'm just posting a videos of trains they are saying okay look you have to be at a certain level to be accredited to or to to be open to receive money Mm -hmm. And this is the limitation they put on this. So not everybody will earn money when contributing. However, 
the moment you get into the partner program, everything changes because there then okay. TikTok says, okay, look, you're in the partner program. So how many views you get, and it doesn't matter if you're getting a view, if you're getting five views or if you're giving 5 billion views, we will pay you for that. Obviously, when you look at it, 45% of an ECPM of whatever, I don't know, effective would be like five bucks maybe or less, right? Or I mean, look at it, it's, it, it will be so much cheaper. We're going to be a dollar or something. So this will be like a cent or less, right? But then again, on the other hand, this really is a big commitment to creators like, I don't know, any big creator that is on the platform actively because they are getting millions of views every time they're contributing and they're posting. So I think this is the biggest advantage in short form video on social yet. And yeah. for me, like at my personal advice, if somebody asked me, right, like if we're talking about fun with facts, for example, um, my biggest advice would be to change everything you do to YouTube first. Yeah, uh, uh, kind of. I'm I'm also um in this program and I'm looking forward to see what what is going uh, on there. The interesting thing is that um the traffic you receive on YouTube is still not as high as on TikTok. So, if you are talking about a CPM and about 5 million views or something, this is way easier to achieve on TikTok still than on YouTube, even though the potential with this new program and the co connection to your video on demand and live streams is of course way stronger on YouTube. And so I, I told, I'm totally with you. I see this huge potential, but the the interest of the consumer is still not there as it is on uh, on TikTok. Sure, sure, sure. But but YouTube is much younger. YouTube is so much younger. We will see this going like we will see this going through the roof. We see it every week, every month when we look at the traffic data. So this will go through the roof. It is just just like TikTok has been released a few months ago. And before that, there was Musical.ly. And now this is evolving. I, I'm very positive this is exactly what will happen. Right. Okay. And now this. Let's continue with Henrike and not Spotify. <laughs> Why would it be Spotify, Tarek? I don't know. The the tool uh, <laughs> just had like a glitch and showed me Spotify. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that last week. Right. It was like old news. It's old news. <laughs> Seven days ago. Why would we mention it? <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about Microsoft Teams. Uh, at least I know uh, when it comes to Vince and Tarek and myself, it's a topic we often talk about comparing Slack and Teams um, and the differences uh, for paying and non-paying users. And now um, I found this article where they, I mean, they basically announced that they will put some of their features behind an even bigger paywall um, from next month onward. Uh, there, there will be features that will be only available then if one has the premium add-on license. Features that are affected by that are actually live translated captions, um, timeline markers and Teams meeting recordings for when a user leaves or joins a meeting. I actually haven't known by now that this one is already existing. Like it sounds to me like a new one actually, but I don't know. And also stuff like custom organization together mode scenes, etc., etc. What I also found interesting is that the add-on will include an option for businesses to protect sensitive content with watermarks and labels while you're in a meeting. And it gives the option to restrict users from recording meetings and copying text from the meeting chat. Um, I was wondering if 
I mean, it does ex explicitly said that, but also like preventing screenshots and stuff. If you share like a presentation, I mean, it doesn't really help if you're just not allowed to copy text from the chat, but you can still make screenshots and, you know, keep the information like that. But I don't know. This is kind of the the way they want to go, and um, simply as a as an add-on to our private discussions we had um, uh, on another occasion. Uh, full pricing is not revealed yet. They will do that next month when they launch it. Yeah, interesting. I think we are uh, out of this period where these platforms simply fought about the supremacy on on the market and try to get everyone into their ecosystem now the age of monetizing this this uh this domination uh is going to come yeah and it's, it's an interesting approach I'm, i'm i'm curious to see if teams is going to lose some shares because people are then just going wherever they don't have these restrictions. But actually, like the feature of having timeline markers, I mean, how often are you in a meeting and <laughs> kind of like, okay, now I, I have to leave. It's just, uh, it's not interesting or it's like I have a double meeting, etc., etc. And this is then always recorded in the, you know, yeah. interesting. I didn't know that this was actually already existing, but apparently to, so. To me, this... To me, this sounds very much like a B2B feature to uh, raise the value of their B2B offering. So I don't think that any, like, I don't think a big, I, 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 okay, this is a wild opinion, but I think not a two-digit number percentage of users will actually realize that a lot of those features are gone. What I think Microsoft is doing with this is that they're putting more things behind the paywall to then top up prices for teams in 365. Because think back when teams got invented or like got when they launched teams and suddenly were pushing it to every 365 subscription, specifically during COVID and their teams was only available, but nobody cared or not a lot of people cared. But and when they did that, this was a free edition. Right. So they said, okay, look, we're adding all of these functionalities for free. So now, I mean, Microsoft needs a reason to to top up the price of the 365 subscription on a B2B level. So I think what they're doing is they're adding more features to then put them behind the paywall to then say, look, all of them are paywall features. And we know that all of those features are B2B features you will need, not in a private conversation, not during university. You will need this in a business call when you need translation because you're a multicultural company, when you're using the together mode, whoever, why the fuck would use the together mode, but people do, I guess. Live translated trans uh, captions, I already said, and all of these kind of stuff. So I think this is what they're doing. This is just a first step to then say, okay, well, now it's 10 bucks more a month, I'm sorry. Yeah, but to be honest, if I look at these features, wouldn't you do that with features who are more or less, well, useful? So this, this, Everything I see here, most of that seems a little bit over-engineered, to be honest. So as you say, so I wouldn't even recognize if they would be missing. So in, in which common normal team session would you ever use one of these features? Don't you customize the together mode scenes when you're in a big <laughs> team's meeting? <laughs> I always I, think I of that, always. Now, now people are going to want to have that. Like, what? I'm not allowed anymore? Now I need that. <laughs> We have to buy that. No, but I think this is exactly what I mean. I, this is not something that you would use on a very regular basis. But doing a, just, just as you said, just being a video call and chat 
provider uh, is not enough anymore. And yes, they have the integration in 365, but they also have an open API, so everybody can connect to your Outlook calendar. So Zoom definitely still has a chance. So what they do now is they launch feature after feature after feature to then put a premium sticker on it or do a freemium kind of addition um, to say, look, this is why you should use Microsoft Teams. And by the way, uh, since it is adding value to the 365 subscription, it's just more. I'm not sure. I mean, they also develop features which are really cool, no? not something like that. I mean, think about the avatars they're currently developing. That is something which might be really cool and also useful. And that might be actually behind the B2B payment wall and people might be willing to pay for that. Especially if you consider that it might be just the first step into a virtual Teams meeting anyways. So this is something I would understand if you say, um, okay, please pay for that. Um, and it makes the whole uh, application more valuable. But um, live translated captions and SMS notifications for virtual appointments is not something I would, I would put that. Exactly. You would not. But a thousand people company that uses this might. So this is exactly the case. Why would they have cool features behind the paywall when only a company that in the end is recognizing if something costs five bucks more or something like that, but in the end can definitely afford it and will pay for it? No, you want a user to love the feature you use, but then you go be, you go after the big companies that can afford a a rise in price of two twenty five because they have this very unique specific feature that some of them use. I think it makes sense that they put those features behind the paywall because they know only big companies with big licenses will pay for this. Other, the other way around, nobody will say, oh, I will switch to Microsoft Teams because of those really freaking cool avatars, but I have to pay 10 bucks for it. This is something you want people to use in order to love the tool. Sounds to me like a topic for the cost-saving hackathon. <laughs> Why not? Right. Just remove teams to save some costs. <laughs> and then the Slack discussion starts again. <laughs> right, right. Even though uh, Slack for business is not free as well, right? So <laughs> we have to pay either way. <laughs> okay. And now this. Let's jump to Chris with ChatGPT. So, um, of course, everybody knows that ChatGPT is um, going around big time at the moment. But there's also a downside of the whole thing, right? And this is what the article deals a little bit um, with, saying that armed with GPT, cyber criminals build malware and uh, plot fake girl bots. Quite interesting, actually. So the article is about exactly these aspects. It's about an abusive use of uh, open APIs, ChatGPT. And um, so they name various uh, aspects here. And the first thing they pick up is um, that apparently cyber criminals have started using ChatGPT to build hacking tools. And the statements they have here uh, are being based on research by an Israeli security company. They call, they're called Checkpoint. And they have caught reports from underground uh, criminal forums. And indeed, it seems to be that uh, hackers actually have shared Android malware there, um, written by GPT. And that this malware actually was able to steal files or install backdoors on computers and uh, therewith could also upload malware to the uh, infected PC that way. Then another example they had was that uh, ChatGPT actually helped them build an, an, an encryption app 
and uh, that encryption app, at least in its final version, um, was able to encrypt someone's computer completely. So, what of course that's quite close. Uh, it might be the, the basis for some kind of ransomware, right? And then they have a third example um, where ChatGPT helped uh, creating code for features of a, a marketplace in the dark web. So, all of that not very positive uh, use cases. And then the last one they mention here is a use case for dating scammers, right? So, ChatGPT actually creates of course female person personas and uh, automates then the the idle chatter and um, although in the in all these examples actually the the created code of course was was quite basic it, it does not uh, you don't need much fantasy actually to, to understand that um, it will be a matter of time right so when when this code will become more sophisticated and uh, the, um, the 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 code actually can be um, also even now being manipulated as an uh, as an initial code so to say into an effective malware uh, so that it can uh, create some kind of harm already nowadays and, and in the end the whole thing which is actually described in the article um, and that was a quote which i'm currently referring to i found that is somehow true so the whole thing actually could quote industrialize the creation and personalization of malicious web pages, highly targeted phishing campaigns and social engineering reliance scams. Right. So this is, yeah, so to say the dark side of chat GPT. Yeah, I think it was just a question of time, whether we come to the dark side <laughs> of chat GPT. Now, yeah, it's, it's like, like we had also that it, the concept is always the same, right? With all or with many of the technologies we discuss here, it always is. And like with everything in life, right? So that's not a new enlightenment. <laughs> you can use it for the good and you can use it for the bad. And ChatGPT is, is somehow a powerful tool. It's really amazing what you can do with that. But of course, you can also use it for, for malicious uh, use cases. And um, yeah, apparently one should try actually to, to keep that down. Difficult. Nonetheless, at the moment, as said, if you just if you if you follow these discussions in the dark web, apparently it's it's apl applicable use cases which are going to be realized at the moment. Yeah, I think this is not a surprise. I mean, if you build a tool that can create websites, then of course it will also create malicious websites. If you build a chatbot, it can be used for good and it can be misused. I think it's the same with any other tool. Yeah, and. Uh, you have like a great new highly efficient programming language congratulations it will be used to create viruses and malware <laughs> yeah yeah but but the difference of course is at least so far at least until people to a certain degree should be able to understand what they are doing right but nowadays all these things are, are um, you are able to create that with, with just the press of a button, so to say, or with a prompt. And um, that is exactly what, what makes the whole thing so well dangerous, because you are just lowering the barrier or the, the barrier of foreign entry, actually, to build these these effective malwares, right? So if, if you just have a prompt and uh, chat GPT actually creates something, then 70% of the work is done already, something like that. Yeah, but it's the same when we invented email. Suddenly it was very easy to send someone an email and ask them to click on this button and install this tool for scanning for viruses or something or like enter your bank information because I want to send you some money. Yeah? So it was never as easy as it is right now with email. 
And so, of course, people are using this uh, en masse. And so I, I think it's it's with any other tool that you're creating. Yeah, you, you're going to have self-driving cars in the, in the near future. So people are going to misuse self-driving cars for as a getaway, getaway vehicle after a, a banking heist. It ah, will be so done. You, ah, you have deeply you have deeply thought about that. Of course, did. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it's like a like a law of nature. Well, however, you can misuse something, you will misuse something. And now this next one is me, and I bring an article that is kind of similar when we talk about ChatGPT and it's from Ars Technica. It's about controversy which erupts over non-consensual AI mental health experiment. It might remind you uh, about a discussion that we had quite a while ago uh, and it's about Coco, a non-profit mental health uh, platform that has come under fire for an experiment in which it provided AI-written mental health counseling for 4,000 people without informing them first. That's the problem. Critics have called the experiment deeply unethical as Coco did not obtain informed consent from the people seeking counseling in this experiment. And volunteers on Coco's platform had the option to use a response automatically generated by OpenAI's GPT-3 language model instead of writing one themselves. So there are human counselors, but they had the chance of simply saying, yeah, let's... Let's uh, let GPT-3 have its shot and uh, give counseling to these people. However, once, found, once people found out that their responses were co-created by a machine, the experiment was pulled from the platform and Rob Morris, who's the co-founder of Coco, has stated that the experiment would be exempt from informed consent requirements because they did not plan to publish the results. But this has been met with criticism as many argue, it still violates the ethical guidelines designed to protect vulnerable, vulnerable people. And it's not depending on whether you publish your results or not. It's, it's about protecting these people. Uh, and Coco's clinical advisory board is now meeting to discuss guidelines for future work, specifically regarding this IRB approval of this process. And we discussed this issue in the past. And uh, technically, of course, it's possible for an AI to act as a therapist. But it is ethically questionable to let an AI offer psychological help to humans because AI systems are not capable of understanding the actual human emotions and experiences in the same way that a human therapist would do. Yeah? And so they, they do not have the ability to emphasize, uh, empathize with patients uh, or understanding the cultural or personal context or uh, like, like individual mental health issues. And additionally, AI systems, and this is like another very important point, they cannot be fully be held accountable for any harm caused by their advice because it, it, it simply can be difficult uh, to detect to be detected or predicted. And right now, this like this, if you do some harm, you are responsible for for this harm. And with a machine, it's hard to put a machine in prison. <laughs> yeah, and therefore, uh, the use of an AI in the field of psychology. Uh, should of course be approached very cautiously and only with the pro proper oversight uh, to ensure that this technology is uh, being used ethically and not causing harm. And in this case, uh, people were like misused as guinea pigs. Uh, and even though I, I don't think that it was very harmful, uh, especially because um, they they consented to get this anonymized advice from strangers over this chat. And so uh, they, they simply did not see who was in there. But these ethical guidelines specifically forbid 
to do these kinds of experiments without the actual consent of the patient. And in this case, uh, these people were, in this case, like misused. And uh, the person in charge uh, now faces legal issues, uh, legal challenges, because um, he is probably getting uh, sued for doing these unethical experiments. Yeah, but yeah, I, I really think it, it. I really think it can cause harm because I mean, yeah, they agreed to have this anonymous um, advisors at the other end, but it makes a difference whether you think there's still a person giving you advice or if it's a machine. And I, I don't. I think we will have machines and AI giving uh, therapeutic. <laughs> <laughs> advice in the future because we simply have a lack of doctors and, and specialists in that regard and we have a huge need in, in mental health counseling but it makes a difference knowing there's now a machine giving me a response and an answer and how I as a human deal with the advice compared to if there's a person like a doctor giving me advice. I still I think that makes a difference in the end in how people deal with the answers they get and with the advice they get. The inter interesting thing is that the result of this illegal study was that the people actually were very happy with the advice that they got from the AI. So the AI was actually a more efficient counselor than the human counterparts, but this advice was more like telling the people what they wanted to hear so anticipating like human conversation it was not like qualified therapeutic feedback right and so even though people are happy uh, like by assuming it's a human being over there uh, be happy with the results um, but it's not authentic human counseling yeah and so th this is a very interesting part if people are happy with the results but it's still illegal yeah, to, to do this. Is, is mm. this now a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, so that now we're actually entering philosophical terrain, I would say, right? So here we go. <laughs> yeah, so 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 we do. I mean, in the end, mm. if people are happy and if they feel better than before, and uh, in that sense, the consultation was, as you say, a, a success. I mean, um, hmm, yeah, so what is what is actually bad about that? except of the fact that it has not been a human the the therapist behind that. So what what is the the goal you want to achieve in the end with a, with a therapy? Yeah, but and... in the end, it just takes one person where it goes terribly wrong, who is then creating a big case of, I did not know that, it wasn't transparent to that, I do not feel better, whatever harm it caused to them. And then this whole debate starts again, whether or not AI should you know do this counseling that has positive impact on so many others you know um so this is i think this is where you know this whole transparency comes into play like knowing okay i'm talking to an ai and it helps me and i feel better and it's all good but if then someone's like i did not know that it was an ai and i do not feel better and i was completely you know misused in a way yeah. um in my situation I absolutely see the point. So I did not want to speak up for uh, AIs as, as therapists or something. So I just wanted to to point my finger to the philosophical aspect. So of course there have uh, has to be some kind of regulation uh, on the whole topic, but um, philosophically it's interesting that the effect was so positive as Tarek just described it. And I'm totally with you. So if there's just one bad case, of course that would be a bad thing, and there would be a 
a legal uh, case and everything. So I didn't want to judge that from legal perspective or ethical perspective, but really just from the philosophic point of view, that I think is very interesting. So that it that it works. And, and yeah, we, we must not forget n none of us is like a like a therapist. Yeah, and the job of the therapist is not to tell the patient. Uh, whatever he wants to hear so that he feels better it's to work through issues issues and um, solve like mental problems and discover issues that might uh, do mental harm right so simply telling the person what he wants to hear to make him feel better mm -hmm. is not the job of the therapist for, for this you can actually use like a machine right but i think a therapist would argue there is more to the, his job than to simply like talk <laughs> of course the whole the question is, is much more complex sorry yeah now um why did they kept it a secret in the first place if they also wanted to not as they say publish the results <laughs> um so why wasn't you know weren't they transparent like fully about that We can doesn't that harm just your offering? I mean, if you're offering a human-driven service and now you're switching to a non-human-driven service, I mean, in a very delicate field like this, and uh, Chris, I think it's absolutely right that this is a philosophical question or a moral question. Um, if you're switching to this, in my point of view, you might be criticized for something that potentially even is better. I mean, for all of this, uh, I don't know if one of you already said it, but for all of this, the same rule applies to every other AI. Also, a human is not perfect. And if something happens while AI is in charge, yes, we criticize it, but we often forget uh, we humans, we fuck up a lot, right? Also doctors and, and lawyers and, and, and people we hold very high on the intellectual ladder. So we are, so this is also to consider, but I think this is why they kept it a secret because it's, it's so people are very fast with criticizing when it comes to these delicate matters and replacing human touch by AI. And I could imagine that it was not like a big planned study. I mean, I mean, ChatGPT arrived and everybody was thrilled and i could imagine that they just said let's try this <laughs> let's let's see what yeah. happens yeah and then they yeah. probably just did this spontaneously yeah i could imagine that it was like like a like a month of planning this crime it was just like uh, there's this new thing did you hear about that <laughs> let's do this yeah probably you're right <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then again i mean they they are working on a on a what's it called mental support platform they they should be aware of their ethical obligations yeah <laughs> they, they should not be like i was thinking yeah. actually so, so okay leave, leave out the legal aspects and the ethical aspects and everything but just like take it as what it is or seems to be like right a, let's call it a person in in Gänsefüßchen you talk to And which makes you happy in the end, right? So, and that could be a component of your, let's say, daily bubble. So let's just have this thought experiment. Why would you go in the end, and why would you have the need to go to a therapist? Because something in your life went wrong, terribly wrong, more or less terribly. So, and um, part of that is, of course, like the bad news every day. You read the news, you have like other bubbles and... You see the situation, everyday situation in the world, and there's a war here, and there's a crisis there, and another crisis there. And of course, that can make people being depressed, right? And so if you would have, let's say, 
a zone, um, a well uh, or a comfort zone where you have just like well being, where you're being treated well, right? So where you actually talk to somebody where in the end you can be sure that you will create some kind of cozy, nice little atmospheric bubble for you. So that might be not the therapy, but it might be a component of a, a feel-good spectrum. A theme. A theme which you actually create for yourself just as a as 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 as, as a, a balancing is good as a, as a balancing aspect for all the other things uh, maybe not so good things that happen in life and that you're actually being exposed to so why not i mean of course it's artificial but i mean if it's fun if it helps you if it makes you feel cozy and and happy <laughs> i yeah, mean you must what's, what's the whole thing about in the end the, the thing Anyways. is yeah but but If you think about this as a medical professional, a doctor, usually you don't go to the doctor because you have like a slight headache, right? And so if you feel like a little bit depressed and you want to have someone cheering you up, you can go to the cinema or something. Yeah? This is not like the big case for when you need a mental uh, health expert. Yeah, But if you have the urge to kill someone, Yeah, and that's that's why you need to see a therapist. And the machine says, "Yeah, everyone is different. Feel happy about yourself. Yeah, and and just do whatever makes you happy." <laughs> Then this is not what the therapist would say, right? Or uh, yeah, there mental this, illnesses this is, where you actually need therapy for. Yeah, and these mental illnesses yeah, need like professionals. And th yeah, but this is, feeling this is not what is I not meant. Enough. I just meant. Um, so take it aside from the therapy. Just take it as a feel-good component. So like like the cinemas or something, right? But uh, cheaper and um, more ongoing, right? So like part of your personal bubble. So I did not mean it as a substitute for a, for a therapy, but just something which might be there um, and gives you a good feeling just by let's say talking to it, like like a like a like an animal like a pet or something people talk to their pets and the pet reacts in some way people feel good i'm i love cats but i'm allergic so maybe uh i switch to chat gpt and then you know what i mean right so it's just sure but but just in this an case idea. i yeah. said it was just an abstract um thought experiment i just wanted to put into the discussion not really the idea of taking that as a substitute for uh for for a therapy so i'm not that naive sometimes i'm a little Little, 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 naja, you know what I mean, naive, but uh, <laughs> not that, not that much. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And and that's where ChatGPT is, of course, amazing. Like a chatbot to have a companion to talk to, no question at all. Yeah, But in this article on Ars Technica, they, they are talking about a mental health communication platform yeah, where people seeking yeah, yeah, yeah. medical advice are, are talking to this machine right so in this particular case it's, it's not a feel-good machine it's, it's literally Absolutely replacing agree. like agree. But we have the, in the discussion i just yeah. mean we have like moved a little bit further away just from the from the uh, specific point in the yeah. article and uh, think about her we had that like various times also here in tech review the movie her right so that was like a similar thing and it was um was amazing how they developed that story uh, and and it is, is is similar it's absolutely comparable and it was the same thing right you had like more or less a chatbot you could talk to like a virtual companion and he gave you just like a good feeling so that was taken a little bit too far in the end but um, the concept and the idea is exactly the same 
which we are just discussing, which is not part of the article, just to make that clear, but we are just discussing getting away a little bit from the specific topic of the of the article here. Isn't there this weird app that currently is putting a lot of ad money into social media that actually acts like it's a developing personality in your friend? Yeah, Tarek, you know this, right? There are multiple. And if you pay, like, yeah. the free version is just a friend for four ninety nine a month. It can also be a partner and that kind of shit. Yes, yes. I actually, I tried one. Uh, I was not patient Same. enough. It, I was not patient enough <laughs> yeah. to actually develop this thing. Um, but when I, I spent time in San Francisco and I was, like, uh, alone in this strange city, I actually was curious about this thing and I installed it on my phone, but I was not patient enough to have enough conversations with this machine to actually train it to be someone yeah and so i never found out if it actually worked but um there are i think multiple apps that are doing this thing having a chatbot that develops over time yeah yeah. The interesting thing is that it, I think it advertises that you can talk to it when you're lonely, when you're frustrated, when you need advice. So in in my book is exactly, Chris, what you just said. And I also agree that, you know, we we know in Germany uh, getting uh, your health insurance to pay for a shrink. Is that the correct word? Is that not a bit negative? Uh, anyways, to pay yeah, for kind of. therapy. <laughs> yes, sorry. Uh, for therapy um, is quite hard because all of those um, health insurances try to push them you into the app uh, they developed to do some self-help but um, I mean when you think about it with a smart enough AI this actually could be exactly what you just said right it could be like a daily routine booster I, I agree with you yeah maybe those apps are the first of the first whatever of the wave Maybe that's the future. And now let's take that thought to the ultimate level, right? So um, you say, or in the article, they say that right. uh, the AI should not be the therapist for you. That's true. But we came back to the discussion and saying, yeah, maybe. And, and that's a very good case. So if you are alone, if you are lonely, if you don't have like friends or you are somewhere else and you don't know anybody and you're on your own and... So that that can really make you depressed and frustrated and then start talking to yourself or your your plant, your cactus or so, but that's not really so like like such a nice experience. But then let's say you have an app like that and then you can talk to that and it answers and it gives you a good feeling. So isn't that even a preventive measure just so it, it keeps you more or less in a certain level happy and uh, on, on, a, on, a, on a normal level. So it prevents you to become a case for the therapist later on. So I wouldn't say it's maybe it's too simple, right? That thought, but nonetheless, even that, it's it's all about you. You are the center of your universe, right? And if if you have the feeling you talk to somebody and he's speaking back and you have a nice conversation about whatever, then this is definitely much better and nicer, even if it's just a machine or a chat GPT, than just not talking at all and being depressed. So I could imagine that in the future, and we have that problem, right? Many people out there and becoming more and more are alone on their own and feel depressed. So I, I don't say that is is just a cool thing and a good thing, but it might be a future thing that might become indeed a, a I wouldn't call it business model, but in a way it might be, yeah. So yeah. maybe we should think about that. S stop the recording. Let's do some kind of business plan here and uh, I, I brainstorming mean, yeah. on, on the model. I, I 
I agree on this level, if we are not talking about therapy, uh, I agree. But as we already uh, um, found out, people are misusing new technology in, in any way they can. And I think this might be a very nice end quote <laughs> for this episode. Um, I am looking forward to the day that the first person is going to marry their instance of ChatGPT because it he feels so connected and has like daily interesting intimate conversations with its chat gpt instance and so they will start marrying this chatbot yeah i am so sure that this is going to happen <laughs> and with this i think this was a very nice ending of this episode see you all next time at the same time at the same place with new interesting articles have a beautiful day night morning wherever whatever whenever <laughs> bye Bye. If you are hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode and for that, we here at Tech Review want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope this new episode was valuable for you and if it was, please leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to us right now. Share this episode with others who could also like it. Do you have a topic that you'd like to see covered in future episodes? Don't hesitate to tell us in the comments or on social media. We hope you'll be back for the next episode. Episode.